Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom to be bringing you a conversation I had with the wise and inspiring Kittis Dashe. Kittis is a radical birth keeper in the Chicago area who shares her journey of transitioning from the heroic doula to now the authentic midwife in her community. We talk about how to practice a full body yes, the no diet, and her epic work in the world. Kiddest, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Excited to chat with you. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and, and what this journey of birth work you know, has looked like. Yeah, so I live in Chicago currently, but uh, was born and grew up in Portland, Oregon. So that's that's really home for me. And I've always been very drawn to birth. I was in the room when my brother was born, when I was four. And it was a hospital birth. Um, My mom is from Ethiopia and uh, comes from a lineage of medicine women and midwives. Um, You know, came to this country and there was a lot of fear and it was really indicative of like how fast we can forget our our innate power, Mm. Um, you know, because midwifery and free birth was, was obviously her... Uh, lineage and and yet you know being here just so much fear around around birth um, and she you know has a very strong intuition and was really like pushing off the doctors and doing it you know as best as she could um, without a lot of um, medical intervention despite being in the hospital but I remember so clearly being four and having other women I think her friends in the room who were really nervous and kind of jittery and I was just like going around saying, oh, don't worry, it's normal. Shut up. <laughs> don't worry, it's normal. And they're like, who, who is this? Who is this child? Oh my and God. The only way I can explain it is that is my grandmother, my great-grandma is just oh. like in me. So, <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. So I always loved birth. It always felt like, yep, this is what we do. And, you know, as I got older into my teens, I started really digging into... Um, just the racial disparities that I saw in my own community and how um, Black women, Black families, um, 
they're getting treated just by the medical system and what that meant for families. And so I always thought, you know, I was going to study policy. I did study policy. I always thought that one day, like when I was retired, I would be like a, you know, really traditional midwife and be in the countryside and it'd be great. Uh, But my partner at the time when I was in college was like, okay, you're watching birth videos every night till 3 a.m. You better just do it now because you can't wait. And I was like, you're right. Or retire really young. (laughs) That's really the move. Yes, really what I did. So I I took a doula training. And how old are you at this point? I was 19. Okay. I believe. Nice. Still in Oregon or have you come to Chicago? That was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, enjoy the training a lot. Uh, and I did sort of, I was working with different communities. So I went to a training that was, you know, one of like big organizations, um, fairly, you know, predominantly white in its organizational leadership and the people attending. And then I also had people in my community in Portland who were um, Black women who were in midwifery or who were doing birth work. And so I kind of simultaneously got a couple different lenses, which nice. were similar in some ways. But I was really struck by this idea of like scope of practice. And when I went to, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, it was a donor training. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> the one I did. Okay. So Regrettably. Do- <laughs> right. When I went to my donor training, there was so much around like scope of practice. Yeah. And particularly like we had, there was a panel and all these people were like, well, I would never cook for a client. Because that's oh my gosh. Like I would never get in a, in a car with my client because that's a liability. <laughs> and I would never, and I'm like, well, then what do you do? Yeah. You just stand there. <laughs> you just stand there. <laughs> well, that's and, what we were just recently talking about this in the school around scope of practice, that that's basically... Uh, a, a, you know, a, a, what's the word? Like a scapegoat term for ways in which we disconnect from women, mm-hmm. right? Like ways in which we don't show up, ways yeah. in which we don't provide actual human to human care. And it's fear-based. It's totally fear-based. Of course. And, you know, and in, I was kind of joking with friends because with, at least within the black community, it's like, if you're even a doula, like even a pretty mainstream doula, you're like a community health worker. So you're like going to doctor visits and, you know, cooking food and take driving. It's like, what do you mean scope of practice? Oh, so you're saying that you noticed a distinction in the white, in the predominantly white, like donut kind of mainstream communities around these, these ways of disconnection, essentially, versus in the black community, in the birth world that were like, that's absurd. Right. Even a, a step before this like idea of scope of practice beyond the medical system, like, mm-hmm. whoa, even, you know, backing it up, just like even within what was considered pretty mainstream, I noticed this difference. And so I was like, okay, what do I do with that? How do I make this work for me? And started attending births. And I think where I got kind of, where it became seductive, this like medical birth model, um, and the work that I really had to do was around my own um, ego and identity around like being responsible and being a helper. Mm-hmm. Like that was very much part of my identity from childhood. Like I am responsible. I know things. I will help. Right. <laughs> that was like my survival piece. And so I think this idea around being really knowledgeable about all the medical interventions and, you know, I shadowed at a hospital because in Portland they have doulas on staff at some of the hospitals, which is pretty unusual, yeah. right? And so it was like working in this on-call system at a hospital where I was like, OBs would like talk to the doulas and be like, well, what about this? And what about that? And it became sort of seductive, but it 
there was always a piece that was like, uh, this doesn't quite feel right. Um, but I did that for a number of years um, until I, I just, I started not being able to cope with what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And I think that breaking point happened Unfortunately for me, it had to happen over and over again before it was like, that's the last straw. Same. You know, I think it started when I saw my first unconsented episiotomy. Mm. And I called my mentor and was like, what just happened? <laughs> but also, I- there's no such thing as a consenting <laughs> episiotomy. Let me just totally. say yeah. that real quick. Yeah. But uh, an episiotomy that also had no, like no words, you know, like nothing, nothing at all was said. And Mm. the way that it got framed by my mentor was just, we, I remember the conversation being around like, well, if she doesn't seem traumatized, like don't put your trauma on her. Right. Mm -hmm. And that just, I was like, what What the fuck? Like, what what do you mean? And so I ended up just holding so much this I've is been, rape culture. It's exactly, exactly. And I think it was, I don't know if it was you or a guest that you had who said, you know, it's, it really is. It's like knowing that your friend is dating someone who is abusive. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's exactly what it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and going back there and going back there and going back there. So um, I was like, well, okay, I'm, I'm really going to focus on home births. And in Oregon, you know, there's like, a midwife on every corner and mm-hmm. you know home birth is 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 much more normalized than it is home birth with midwives is much more normalized than it is here in Chicago um, and so I attended a lot of home births some were lovely some were just as <laughs> messed up as the hospital births um, but saw a couple births where the midwife either didn't make it at all or you know made it at the very last minute and it was like well what was the point again <laughs> and I think that's when I really was like what is this thing that could happen if no one was here like without any, yeah, without any disruption? Mm-hmm. Um, and so how many well, years have gone by now at this point in the story of you attending births? Uh, about two, three. Okay. So not, so you, not too long. But you like, you hit it like hard. Like it sounds like you yeah, I was were really going. A lot of births. <laughs> yeah. While having a full-time job. And then eventually I left Whoa. that to do births. Yeah, I That's was hard. elementary school. So I would, there were days where I would teach all day, go to a birth all night, and then turn around and, and go back and teach six-year-olds all day. <laughs> and I was like, okay, actually don't think that's going to work. Totally nuts. It's totally nuts. So, and, and that was part of the culture too. And I don't know for you, but it was like, how many births can you do? You know, like I take four or five births a month. And it didn't feel right. And I also, I never subscribed to the, what I saw as sort of the typical model of like, you do two prenatals, you go to the birth, you do one postpartum. I was like, that's bullshit. Like, I can't do that. It just felt so, um, the, the, the professionalism and the, this wall, right, was just so strong. And so I was seeing people throughout their whole pregnancy Duh. and just doing <laughs> way too, like way more than I could sustain. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think it got to the point. So fast forward, maybe another couple years. Um, I was doing. I hadn't aligned yet with free birth. I hadn't really seen free birth talked about yet. Um, but was like, yeah, it would be nice if the midwife just didn't show. Like, I always kind of cross my fingers. Like, maybe <laughs> just happen. Um, 
And I was still attending hospital births and I would just come back sobbing or I would, there was always a point during a birth where I would go to the bathroom. I'd leave the hospital room, go to the bathroom and just want to scream. And I would come home and my partner, (sighs) my wife now would be like, yeah, you did that at the last birth, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I needed it to be reflected. And it's like, you're right. Like it's no more, no more. Um, and so, God, but but getting outside of that hero, yeah, you know, like I mean, I remember, and so many doulas are still at this at this place when I talk to them. But I really remember for a couple of years, kind of still falling for or being committed to the like, but someone should be with them. Like yeah. at least I can hold their story and help them process, and at least I could, you know, maybe stop something. You know, at least I know the system and just this real heroic fake guardian that mm-hmm. was like completely ineffective, basically, yeah. Yeah. sadly. Yeah, it's totally ineffective. And, you know, especially because the reason that I got into this work was especially to serve um, particularly Black women and families in, in my community, there was this, I think I had talked to another doula about like, you know, I think I'm at least just going to brand myself as a home birth doula. Right. And the conversation was like, so you're just going to, are you going to abandon? Like, what about all the, the Black people like in hospitals who are being abused by the medical system? Like there was just so much wrapped yeah. up in that. Totally. In the, in but jungle. like, then become a lawyer. I mean, a doula <laughs> is, is not... The- Bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, it's not the role for that specific, very real, very horrific problem. A doula is like, it's like nothing. Like it's a little bit of education, but does it change anything? It's again, it's like ineffective. And it felt like lying. It felt like at some point I was lying to people. Yeah. Because even when I tried that thing for a while where it's like, okay, well, we're just going to, you know, labor at home until the baby's coming out, right? That whole thing. And I was still seeing people show up to the hospital at 10 centimeters and have cesareans and have their babies ripped from them, have yeah. traumatic postpartum. So what was the point of that, right? right. And Sh- shaving off 20% of the abuse. To just yeah. have the other 80. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really felt like, you know, people were, were coming to me and I was getting slowly more and more bold about like, this is what you're going to experience. This is what you're going to expect. But it wasn't my sharing that wasn't meaning that they weren't going to experience it. Right. Especially and, being like, I'll still go with you. Like that was my yeah. big turning point where I was, I was, I, re- I so relate to your story and being like, okay, I'm just going to tell the truth and I'm just going to, you know, say what I see. But what was it flagging to the client to be like, but I'll still totally be there. And when, when I started saying, and I won't be there because of this abuse, that was when I saw like a whole next level of impact. Yeah. And that's, it was when I was in this transitional time, you know, started to hear about free birth. And I was in a, a Facebook group of like, it was like Black families, unassisted birth or something like that. And started to I, seed got planted. 
I started telling clients because I worked for people with people for so long. I would say like, I'm just letting you know you're midway through your pregnancy and you're planning a hospital birth. I'm letting you know that I will support you through this pregnancy, but I have, I have aligned with birthing outside the system now. And this is why. And while I will like maintain my commitment that I made to you, like I'm not doing this anymore. And a lot of my clients switched to free birthing. And I was like, what? And I didn't expect that. You know, I was so fearful. People were like, that sounds amazing. I was like, it does. <laughs> right. People that I even never would have thought, you know, that would have resonated, but it was like, you could see them just breathe for the first time. Like, I didn't know that that was possible. I could actually say no to all of this. That's, you know, that's harming me. Um, and so when I realized that, I was like, oh, it is possible. It is possible. And you're literally providing another path, which, you know, the classic uh, quote, you know, if you don't exactly. know your options, you don't have any. And this, this is an example of that. You know, these women don't have options. And then you come along and say, well, I'm actually setting a boundary and here's the path that I now support. You just gifted this woman options that she didn't see before. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful realization and process to be with people as we were making that that journey. The part where it got sticky, and this is where I think, you know, I had heard stories about people aligning with free birth, and then it was like, and then you like ride off into the free birth sunset, and it's great. <laughs> What story it is just, that? It just seemed like I align with free birth and then it will it will be easeful. And what I found to be really telling and like the next piece of my work was that just because someone says they want a free birth doesn't mean that you're necessarily aligned <laughs> to be working with them. And so I think what mm. has been so huge to my work is this idea of like being able to co-regulate with with like mom and like, how do you get in alignment with where they are? Like, how do you, how do you be on that same wavelength? And what that looked like was I was working with clients who'd be like, yeah, I want a free birth, but um, like, I'm not telling my mom and I live in my mother's house. Right. Or like, yeah, I want <laughs> red flag, <laughs> red flag. Or like, yeah, I want a free birth, but you know, like no one, I, no one in my family is supportive and I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to leave that where it is. Right. And then it would be messy, messy, messy. Mm. And I had moments where there were times where I, because I wasn't co-regulated, because I wasn't in full trust of them, like of the birthing woman, like I wasn't fully trusting of them because I could feel them wavering in their own boundaries mm -hmm. that I expressed, you know, like curiosity or concern and didn't feel like, um, like it was going to impact them negatively, potentially, if they weren't already in their full sovereignty, as opposed to like, when I'm working someone who has a really aligned with free birth, it's like, we're both in our power. And then it's like, magic, right? So I think that piece around just like, co the importance of co regulating and like being in being in alignment in that way is so is so important. And so what that's meant for me in terms of work that's in my integrity is because I really thought like, well, what does this look like, especially as I'm thinking about addressing, um, you know, racial disparities in the way that, you know, 
Black women and, and families are treated in the, the medical system and in the birth industry. And so I started doing the more educational, like coaching pieces to folks, but was only showing up and attending births with people who I was like, yes, like I trust. Yeah, that's legit. And and it seems normal. Like, yeah, duh, that's what you do. But it's so not the doula model, right? It's no, not what we're trying. You've been a hero your whole life. So you're to to set boundaries, which are obviously in integrity, but that's a huge, huge, huge lifelong like learning curve of how to be in boundaries, in integrity, and show up completely. Like that's a that's a complicated puzzle to figure out, I think, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea that I never bought into but was so pervasive around like neutrality, using air quotes, right? <laughs> like doesn't exist. But you know, within the doula culture of like the the doula for everyone or whatever. Well, it's lit- it's literally like show up neutral, have no bias, and save everyone. Yep. Like at the same time somehow. And you're powerless, but also take all of our workshops and all of our trainings, you know, like all at the same yeah, time. Pretty much. Pretty much. Bonkers. So untangling that. And I'm grateful that, yeah. um, you know, I, I haven't been, I haven't been doing this for, for that. It's not like I was doing it for 10 years before I got to this point. Like it, it took a few years to get there, but I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, having community and, and folks to look to who, who are doing this work and, and for the podcast and, you know, all these, all these other resources to, to get me there a little bit sooner. Um, Seriously. Yeah. But the, and the interesting thing too, is that as I was working with folks in pregnancy, what really came through was pregnancy is a really hard time to make a complete like belief system shift. Possible, like people do it every day and it's incredible, but it's such a vulnerable and open time to go from, I've been planning, you know, I've been, you know, hospital birth is my only, <laughs> my only option my whole life or even, you know, medicalized birth in any way. And then to make that shift is so challenging. And so that's when I was like, okay, I also think we need to go back further before, before pregnancy, before, before birth. Um, And in those shifts, like when I see women make those shifts in pregnancy, it's almost always because they had to get really, really uncomfortable first, you know, for the shift, you know, and, and really that's true across the board with shifts, like shifts typically happen out of getting really uncomfortable and where it's like, I have to do something different. So you see a lot of women at the end of their pregnancy, you know, getting bullied into a bunch of stuff and then finally being like, fuck it, I'm staying home, you know, but that first, but I totally hear you. It's a totally different consciousness and it's so much to untangle. And many pregnant women are just kind of in a state of survival, mm-hmm. trying to learn the new language and and deal with their pregnancy symptoms alone, right? Like it's, it's, yeah, I hear you. You got to start way before, yeah. ideally. It's just going to be exactly. easier if you've started Right. Before. I was like, how could this process be a little more easeful? And then I thought about, at the time, I was also doing a lot of work around fertility and reproductive health and did a two-year clinical herbal program. So I was kind of thinking about these worlds that were merging and was dealing with my own like journey with my own physical and, and spiritual womb health. Um and I was like, okay, what if we, what if we took this back, you know, before? And then that's when I saw like, how, is there a way to, to get in alignment with our sovereignty and to actually feel what intuition is? Cause so many of the people I was working with, you know, in pregnancy would be like, I don't know what my intuition is. 
or, you know, mm. we'd even be like doing, be doing something like cat cow, right? Like just like move. And I'd be like, just move your body. And people would be like, I, uh, what do you mean? And it so was sad. so heartbreaking. And I was like, oh shit, this goes way deeper. This goes way deeper. You know, it goes back to, to our, our menarch and it goes beyond that, like to childhood, like all the times that we're told to not listen to our bodies and don't cry and you don't know what you're feeling and you can't trust that sense. Um, and so that's sort of where I, I ended up going while still holding the birth work piece is like, how can I support people and walk with people as they're doing this um, work of getting in alignment with their, with their body before we get to, <laughs> before we get to the time where we're bringing in a new life. So what does that mean? It was like their coaching or what kind of? Yeah. So I do, um, I offer clinical herbal support and like womb wellness coaching. So that means like I support people in learning how to align their lives to their menstrual cycles. And part of that is a lot of like somatic and embodiment work of just really getting in touch with like where your body is and, and, and reclaiming the power to know how to care for your own body. So especially around reproductive and generative health, just all, I mean, even going, you know, going to like birth, hormonal birth control, right? Like this idea of like, well, the same thing as we do in pregnancy, like, okay, well, this is what I've been given and I will put up with, you know, the abuse and the toll that it takes on me. And, you know, that's that, that's how it is. And, and, and breaking that, breaking up with that relationship and actually getting to know our own bodies and how to care for them. So um, yeah, doing a lot of that coaching work one-on-one and, and in groups and, and building community around that. And is this mostly in person in Chicago or do you do a lot of virtual stuff? Now I do a lot of virtual stuff, primarily virtual. Yeah, I'd love to do go back to sort of more group in-person things. And I do in-person more one-on-one. But yeah, I do a lot of virtual coaching and I have a course a group coaching course on on lunar living and that goes into like the care and nutrition and um as well as just like the embodiment of like how do we create a life that's that's in alignment with our desires and how do we even know what our desires are <laughs> right like that that piece is so huge that I saw coming up in birth too and I was like what do you what do you want what's your dream and people would be so afraid <laughs> to even to even go I don't even know how. I mean, so many women would be like, just to not have a C-section. Like so many women that I used to ask this question to would speak in a negative. Like, what is your dream? My dream is to not have a C-section. That's not a dream, sweetheart. What is your dream? (laughs) That's not your dream. Yeah, Yeah, I know. It's a lot of untangling. And we do that for our lives too, you know? Like, right. Do it for everything. You know, survive. (laughs) Just survive is, is... around so how do we and for me the path like the connection between going from surviving to thriving and being in a state of agency over our lives is this body connection is this womb Mm -hmm. intuition and how do I feel what is true for me Um, and that takes yeah that takes time and and work yeah do you have do you want to drop like a quick practice if someone wants to start learning what her full body yes feels like you know what what could be does anything come to mind as like a just someone listening like a a daily practice that they could start implementing yeah one of the ones that that I really love that's just super simple is uh 
having a, an, an object or something that represents something that you feel really uh, drawn to. So even if it's an opportunity, like something that feels like a yes, like you want to say yes to it and placing it in front of you and then like reaching towards it. This is one thing one of my, one of my teachers, Kevin Singh, taught me, like reaching towards it and then feeling in your body, like what does it feel to physically reach towards something that you really want? And like, what is that? Mm. Where does that sit in your body? Like, can you come, can you like feel into, like, do you feel it in your chest? Do you feel it in your belly? Can you breathe a little more? Right. And then when you're, there's something that you're not so sure about, can you do that same practice and feel what comes up? And and for Mm -hmm. me, this has been something as someone who grew up with this hero narrative and someone who has, you know, it continues as we do, right, to do work around boundaries is sometimes I don't, it's, it can be hard to feel what that embodied yes and embodied no is if we haven't tapped in or been able to say no before. So having something really physical and when I'm trying to discern if something is in alignment for me, even if it's like a birth related thing, right? Can I, can I put sure. this in front of me and drop in and feel what arises and that mm-hmm. bringing that connection has been helpful for me. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. My mentor always says, if it's not a full body, yes, then it's, it's a, a no. no. I just said that to someone yesterday. <laughs> like, I love that. That's helped me a lot because yeah. that's like totally turns it Isn't on its head. Isn't that a game changer? Of, yeah. Because really, we're, we're raised, most of us, to ignore our no and morph into an obligatory yes. yes. <laughs> you know, so it's like, if someone's like, can you watch my kids? And I don't actually want to. I'm trained to be like, yes, I'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> Even though that's going to stress me out and that's going to just put me in my hero persona or whatever. And obligation really is... I have come to think that obligation really is the flag that you have stepped out of your uh, boundaries and are now doing something um, that doesn't feel authentically true for you. And that that's really helped me a lot just to just to catch that. And I'm I'm happy to say I don't do obligation anymore. And it's it's a real if I start to feel a sense of obligation around something, it's like an alarm bell is going off in my system now because that is such a no. If it feels like obligation, then it's definitely a no. But the whole other piece is, are we willing to say no, right? And that's really, really scary for most of us. Something I, I like to do with, with the women I work with that who have a really hard time saying no, who have like never said no in their whole lives is put them on a no diet where they, they say no. Let's say they have a partner if the partner's playful and, and if it's a healthy thing. Um, so she has to come up with three things to say no to every day with her partner, with with a friend or whoever, and just to play with that and actually like have fun with it and make it big. And no, 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 I'm not going to hand you that pen. <laughs> you know, just even if it's something silly, uh, but just to feel that and reprogram, you know, your mind that you can say no and you're not going to get yelled yeah. at like you probably were as a kid. You're not going to get hit. You're not going to get yeah. abandoned. You can say no now. And assuming you have, um, you know, well relationships in your mm-hmm. life now, you won't be punished for having boundaries, which is such a big a big reframing because I feel like they have to go together, right? It's like full body yes, figuring out what that looks like, understanding if it's not a full yes, then it's a no. But then are you willing to have a no? Are you willing to say no? And then see 
really the freedom on the other side Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. And it, it's that repatterning and that connection between like being able to speak it. And then what does that feel like in the body? I mean, I would have my, my wife would like practice with opera because my big thing was always like saying yes to opportunities, like needing to say yes. And she would just practice. She'd be like, but don't you really want to do this thing? And I would just have to be like, no, no. No, 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 no. 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 Like find your no, find your no, buddy. Yeah. Right? Like find your person to practice your no with, and oh, mm-hmm. and then when you get to pregnancy, if you if you've even done some of that work, right. and then you get to pregnancy, and you're like, nope, actually, I'm not going to listen to that story. Right? Nope, actually, I'm not. Your, I mean, this is not open for your opinions. Oh, like what? What a difference! Right? Because it's coming it's, to get yeah. you. If you're listening right now and you're pregnant and you don't know how to say no. It's coming to get you because at some point, people are going to be crossing your boundaries. I mean, they already probably have been your whole life, unfortunately, but pregnancy is a whole other thing. And then you have a kid outside of your body. So you're super ripe for boundaries to be crossed. I don't mean with your kid. I mean, with people Mm -hmm. around your kid. And at some point, you're going to have to learn how to say no, or you're going to be miserable, which I guess really is where a lot of people are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, and that's the gift, right? Wherever it is, whether you're pregnant or not, like I find it especially to be true in pregnancy. Like part of the gift is to make those boundaries come up real strong. And if you can be open to taking that gift, it's like, okay, I really need to get, I need to get in alignment here. What a gift. Yeah. Mama bear. Yeah. For your, for your child. And so have you attended births outside the system? Yes, I have been attending births outside the system for the past, well, for a while, but exclusively for the past year and a half or so. Exclusively. Okay. So you don't attend if there's medical providers. I'm not. And now, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Hey, boundaries. Boundaries. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, just, I, I like have just finished because it's, it's, it was challenging. You know, I made the decision whether it was, you know, Everybody makes different decisions to, to fulfill my, what I, what I committed to with clients who I had been working Mm -hmm. with, you know, for seven months or whatever, even though I had switched to aligning with, with free birth. But, um, I've like finally released all of those folks who've had their, their, their births within the system. And so now I'm, yeah, working with folks outside the system. And And what's that like? It feels so expansive and it feels, I, what I love is that I get to I get to choose who I'm in relationship with, and I, I because I'm doing fewer births as well, I can I can be more present and really feel like I get to be in reciprocity when walking with people. Part of what was really challenging for me as a birth worker and the sort of like professionalization of birth work was, you know, by nature of you know whether you go to your acupuncturist or whoever, it's more or less a one-sided relationship, right? And that didn't feel right to me in birth because I didn't want to be attending births with people who I didn't have relationship with. And so in aligning with free birth, it's really allowed me to step into the space of I I only I only support people who are who are in my community or who are willing to be in in community with me. And that feels really um nourishing and sustainable. I think my, my fear, um, you know, starting as a doula was like, well, that, how could I be sustainable doing births outside the system? Totally. It actually feels 
incredibly way more sweet. Yeah. Because yeah. you're in, in integrity. Abundance. Yeah. The abundance yeah. that's possible. Right. And, and the universe will take care of you when you're in alignment. Yeah. Yeah. And just to so, watch people's. Yeah. It's beautiful. So how just because women ask me this all the time. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear what you have to say about it. How do would you say the majority of the women you serve come to you already wanting you as the non-medical midwife or are you converting people like they're not sure and you coach them and they choose it or or the, are the majority of women already clear that they want to birth outside the system because where this question's coming from is you know we have the school now and and so many people who are curious about the school and and, and the line of work that you and I both do they're like well how am i going to find the families like do women really want this? And it's so obvious that they do because it's all I see. But I wonder, yeah, if you could speak to yeah. that to help help assuage that insecurity. Yeah. And I don't know how helpful it is, but throughout my journey in birth work, it always feels like when I made an internal shift, the universe is like, and just like lined up without me really doing much differently. Like I remember when I switched to to being aligned with free birth, I hadn't even changed my website. Like my website still was pretty doula-y. And all of a sudden I was getting messages from people being like, hey, I'm interested in, in having birth outside the system. And I'm like, what just happened? Like oh within my God, a month. That's it so was, cool. It was amazing. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? Um, well, what's that quote? Energy flows where your attention, attention goes. Attention goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, part of it I think goes, did I really believe it? <laughs> Once I really believed it, it started to mm. align. Largely the people who who seek me out are already aligned with with free birth. And I think part of that is just showing up in in different communities and, and virtual spaces and in-person spaces where people know that that's what I do. And so um, people come to me. And when people come to me who are on the fence, um, largely they're interested in like childbirth, like radical childbirth education. And I'm like, well, whatever you choose, this is going to be really helpful. And more times often than not, people, mm-hmm. you know, through that process are like, oh, that is what I want. Like, I want, I like, I choose freedom. And right. it's <laughs> kind of hard once you see it to unsee it. <laughs> exactly. And what's beautiful is, and I'm sure this will shift as I continue to go along in terms of where my zone of desire really is. But, um, you know, in this days, like, I don't, I don't really spend much time converting people. <laughs> it's people really like people want it. People want it when they see it. And it's given me a lot of um, ease and peace to be like, here's what I'm offering. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Right. And the people who align will align. And uh, yeah, it's so possible. I mean, there's more people who are wanting this than than there are people who are supporting it for exactly. sure. I know exactly. That be, yeah, yeah. And it's a real shift. It it sounds like that that you've made from kind of a spirit of scarcity into abundance, you know, like that shift of the doula role that's like heroy but also convincing into like what happens when we don't try to convince anyone of anything? And and I feel like then you get into this arena of truly non-hierarchical support where you're already, um, when you're not, when you don't have an agenda for someone to be different or or a different place than they are, right? Whereas doulas, you know, I think if most of us were honest, we would admit that as doulas, 
it's largely about subtly or not so subtly trying to convince said person um, to minimize their abuse, right? So like yeah. decline induction or, you know, we're kind of like the, well, air quotes advocate, but really it's a lot of convincing, you know, it's like going yeah. over there all, like you said, yeah. all professional and this is, this is what's going to happen unless you do this and you need to do this and then you're going to get the heplock, but you can knock get the heplock if you do it. And it's That's just like so this entire, yeah, and it's entire agenda. Um, of really trying to convince people and then trying to convince the doctors not to abuse the women we're with, right? So I felt it's a lot of attempted convincing. And so I felt a really similar shift in my own spirit, you know, since I started Free Birth Society of really making this conscious shift of what could it look like to not try to convince anymore and to just carve out my slice of where I want to hang out and trust that the women who want to hang out in this arena will come yeah. And it feels so different. I don't think anyone needs this. I don't think anyone needs anything I'm doing. I don't right. think anyone needs me, um, uh, yeah. which is so different than how I felt as a doula. And and like I said, I mean, kind of the final point, I guess, is just it's it's opened up a world of what what I would call truly matriarchal sisterhood can even begin to feel like, because it can, I feel it can only exist in a non-hierarchical model, which, Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise everything we see with medical midwifery and doulaing is still um, that we knew, we know better, you know, we're still there to save, we're still there to hero. So we are a little bit more powerful. And when you tilt that and it's truly, um, yeah, like an equal playing field, like you said, truly in reciprocity and um, everyone kind of in their own power and exalting each other in that. Like, it's just a totally different arena. And the women come because women, women, ha- this is in our souls. This is in our, yes. you know, in our DNA. Yeah, it's in us. And uh, I remember the first time someone reached out to me and said, I'm going to free birth. I don't need you there, but I would love to have you. And I almost, it just almost makes me want to cry because right. that it's, it's, that's what's up. That's what, that's it. Like, yes, I will be there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do want to mention here though, you know, for the women listening that um, plenty of women along the way, especially in the actual labor or coming, you know, heading up to the labor, they will temporarily sometimes think they need you and that's okay. Yeah. That's understandable. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to not forget that they don't need you. Right. Like that's yeah. part of our job as the, as the midwife, you know, it's, yeah. we're not allowed to say that word, I guess, but as the radical birthkeeper, um, our job is to continue exalting a woman in her power, even when she doesn't feel it, you know, or can't find it, which obviously if you've ever attended a birth, that's part of the decimation is we, we lose that compass throughout the journey. And, and in those moments, it, it is very common that a woman would, you know, kind of look to us, uh, to give her power away a little bit or to be reassured in, in maybe a hierarchical way, right? Like we're authorities of birth or whatever. But the game is just to not ever take it that way. And and no one really, like people can try to give their power away, but if you don't take it, it falls flat. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. Like the, the danger dance is when you take it <laughs> and then you're in, you know, a, a pretty unsustainable, not great arena. Exactly. When we can reflect, when we can reflect the power back, it's, that's, yeah, that's, that's our, that's our job. That's, that's, that's our role is to, is to hold that, that line and reflect that. Mm -hmm. Well, anything else you want to say? Any like words of wisdom to birth workers who, who were on the path that you were on a couple of years ago? 
anything come through to share? As we talked about a little bit, I would just say that if if you feel that pull towards free birth, allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself to dream. Like in the same way that we asked people in pregnancy to, to dream, like dream what you want your life to be. Like what would your life really look like if you were aligned with with free birth in this way? And once we once we allow ourselves to go there, I really believe it it comes, it comes into alignment. And, um, there are so many, there are so many women, there are so many families out there that, that want this, um, and that want that, that sisterhood and that, that guidance. And And this really blasts through the, um, kind of this idea that like home birth is only for the privileged white, um, you know, people who have money, like you don't, I mean, I do think that birth keepers should be paid well and in reciprocity and all of that. But um, this blasts through this like notion, you know, that it's only for the privilege, you know, because it's not true at all. A lot of women I serve are women of color who understand what they're up against in the system and take responsibility for co-creating a situation that feels a lot better for them, you know, and, and I, cause I just detest this notion that um, free birth is for, um, yeah, is for privileged white women. That's such bullshit. Yeah. It's yes. not true and, at all. <laughs> and especially to, to birth workers of, of color and, and black birth workers in particular, for me, it's just like, it's this call of like this ancestral, I mean, for all of us, but particularly I think about, you know, the black, you know, midwives who, who birthed, you know, everyone, right. And for those like that traditional, um, that traditional, spirit holder and and birth keeper that is in our bones and this is really this is a return to that like it is our birthright it is in our dna and and it's it's so healing um yeah and i guess you know some of the critique that i've gotten in this arena is but it's more dangerous but you know arguably more dangerous for black birth keepers um, yeah. or black families, which, yeah, yeah I could, I could see that yeah. for sure. I mean, that makes sense that there could be, um, for some black birth workers that it could be more scrutiny, more, um, yeah. you know, certainly for families, they're under more scrutiny. Um, if they're, especially if they're at a lower socioeconomic status, um, you know, the yeah. intersections of all of this, um, and that's for everyone to kind of evaluate and see what they're up for. So I guess that was something I wanted to ask you, like, how yeah. do you navigate the risks? Yeah, no, it's a really, it's a really good question. And when I think about it on families ends and when, because fam- that's often a question I get, particularly from Black families, it's like, but is this putting me at more risk? And maybe, and I see, I mean, here in Chicago, People who are choosing hospital birth who decline right. uh, vaccine or who do who do one little thing right don't check the box and get CPS called on them exactly and so to to not choose free birth from this place of fearing that it's more of a danger I think is 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 just false because the danger is unfortunately it's it's present um, and I and I would kind of offer like take responsibility for for creating the thing you want to see and you're going to be taken care of like if you really take responsibility for it right meaning let's say a family bursts outside the system 
the chances that they're going to transfer in are incredibly low if they're truly transferring in, right? Because we know that shit is super rare. So there's always a dance to be had with the system. But I guess I just mean like putting energy towards creating a story that you do want to live is going to have a feedback loop, you know, instead of, you know, I know families who have not wanted to birth in the system and then birthed in the system and tried to navigate the system and were worse off. Like you said, you know, if t- to try to say no to a couple of things and you're literally in the arena you don't want to be in trying to like pave your own path, which isn't going to work because you're in an arena that's already against you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think often, at least the people who I talk to are, are more, um, there's more concern, not so much in the, the actual birth process, but then the things like getting a birth certificate and yeah. having to deal with, you know, and, and the way that people do get treated. And I, I will say like, I do often, depending on where people are, see a difference in, in, in how folks are treated, but finding your, finding your people and like getting your, your a community and surrounding yourself with people who, who are who are in alignment? Who can journey everything through it, it? It it makes a huge difference. And on the birth worker side, I think yeah, we all have to find what you know what feels right for us. And that's another piece that I think I, is so powerful about free birth is that it is so expansive, and not everyone has to be attending births, right? Like so many yeah. people are doing virtual coaching and and not actually attending births at all, or teaching in this. So there are so many ways to be in integrity. Um, in ways that feel right for your positionality too. Totally. That's- and be a part of the the solution. Yeah. Yeah. So do you just have like a licensed midwife kind of in your arena who will do a postpartum visit or something to keep yeah. families? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm thinking about the woman you referenced earlier in the conversation, your mentor who kind of just like reframed it. Like if they're not tra- traumatized, then you're not kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you had a similar experience as me, like I had doula mentors and then the more I critiqued all of this, it all just kind of came unraveling and I felt, I found myself mentorless after a while when I like went against all this nonsense. So I was kind of wondering what your, what your journey has been like with, with mentorship in particular, like if you found women in this arena to kind of help guide you through or has it been pretty lonely? Yeah, it's, I think um, I didn't really wait for my mentors to ditch me because I knew that that would happen. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to peace out now because <laughs> I could be, I could feel that, you know, the alignment wasn't there. And I was like, well, then I'm not going to continue to come here for, for support. I was really lucky that um, even before coming to Chicago, that there were a couple of national um, midwives in the Portland area who, uh, were really supportive um, of free birth and who, you know, I could, who I could contact and be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, and in Chicago, it has been pretty lonely. Uh, and I have, it's been more challenging to find, um, to find community in that way, which is why I'm so grateful for all these, these virtual spaces to, yeah. to come together. Um, but my, one of my dreams is to create some, some in-person community here in the Chicagoland area of, birth workers and birthing, you know, women and and families who want to align with free birth. So many of those people are out there. Yeah. Where can people find find you? Yeah, you can find me um, on Instagram at Ashe Living, A-S-H-E Living. That's my 
business or um, in my website at asheservices.com. And I teach a lot of um, menstrual, reproductive health things and, and more birth things coming, hopefully doing a, a, a BIPOC centered birth worker uh, mentorship next year, which will be really fun. So awesome. Yeah. Well, it's a treat to have you on and just to, it's always just so inspiring for me to connect to other women who have come to similar conclusions, you know, that this is all just like these little lights are coming on for all these women around the world. And I'm just so proud of you. It's, it takes so much courage to, you know, take the path less, less walked and to carve it out and serve your community. So thank you. Such a gift. Thank you for all your work and yeah, for spreading that light. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shyla Ray. And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension, I will fly and bring her back from the start.